Thank you for coming to our friend day today. Uh, friendship is a big issue in our lives. <clears throat> you know, we talk about it much, but the reality is that uh, oftentimes it evades us. And when it evades us, life, life, life hurts. Life is bad. Let me read you some quotes about friendship before we start. Um, Euripides said that life has no blessing like a prudent friend. Uh, <clears throat> someone else said that a friend may well be reckoned the masterpiece of nature. And then Thoreau said this, he said, a man cannot be said to succeed in this life who does not satisfy one friend. Well, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're here this morning, you're here because you have a friend. Obviously, somebody invited you to come, and um, we're glad that you're here. And trust that we can help you to see that there's an even greater friendship than the world knows. That there's a friendship that can touch deeper in our souls and meet needs uh, that nobody else can. And that is really what we'd like to do this morning. Let's be, before we start, let's just have a word of prayer, and then we will begin. Father, would you bless us this morning? Lord, we do love you, and we know that you have all that we need. And Lord, we come as a people, Lord, every one of us, Lord, with needs today. Lord, would you meet those needs? And Lord, for those who come, uh, meeting that friend that is going to touch the deepest needs of their hearts, Lord, would you reveal yourself to them today by your Spirit and let them see what it is to have you for a friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we're going to talk about, uh, about Abraham. And Abraham has this distinction. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, uh, <clears throat> which saith that Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, that's a fascinating verse. Right? It's fascinating for many reasons, but here's the key reason that it's fascinating. This doesn't talk about Abraham being God's friend. It talks about, sorry, it doesn't talk about God being Abraham's friend. It talks about Abraham being God's friend. That God looked down upon the mass of humanity and he saw this one man and he said, that's my friend. He's my friend. Now, isn't that an amazing thought? That a human being could be the friend of God. Uh, but that's exactly what Abraham became. Now, and he's unique in the Bible, by the way, and all the characters in the Bible that are called, and many different people are given many different names. Moses was God's leader. He led the nation of Israel out of the land uh, of Egypt. He was the one that, that, that took control and led. Uh, Joshua was God's fighting man uh, who f led the nation of Israel as they took the promised land. Uh, David was the man after God's own heart. And we have you know, lists of men all through the Bible that God names, but he says Abraham was his friend. That's my friend. Now, something in us responds to that as human beings. Because the issue of friendship is very big for us. <clears throat> uh, there's within the human personality a need that is universally felt. Uh, it is a need that is sought and continually pursued. And so I want us to discuss this need, this necessity, which when simply stated is, everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs a friend. I don't have to convince you of that. Everybody needs a friend. Right now you're probably counting up in your mind uh, who you could honestly count as being your friends. Uh, somebody said that if in your lifetime you can count three friends, you've done very well. And, you know, we can have all kinds of friends, can't we? we you know, we can have a good friend. We, we can also have a false friend. Uh, uh, we can have family that are not friends. It's interesting, first murder in the Bible is Cain and Abel, uh, two brothers. Cain slew Abel, his brother. Wasn't much of a friend, was he? And then we have Samson and Delilah, and Delilah was Samson's lover, but she didn't love him very much. Uh, she sold him out. 
we have the Lord Jesus come along and we have Judas who sold him. So we can, we can have all kinds of friends. Some of them good, some of them bad. Uh, but we want friends. We need friends. It's, 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 a, it's a major issue for us. Everybody needs a friend. No man is an island. None of us can manage all by ourselves. We like to think that we could sometimes. You know, <clears throat> uh, we, we get hard and tough and somebody offends us and hurts us and so we're going we're to be on our own. We're not going to give ourselves to anybody anymore. But the reality is we can't live like that. We need a friend. No man is an island. <clears throat> Yet we notice that even in the best of friendships there is something missing. They don't quite satisfy. They don't fully satisfy. You know, you can have a very close friendship and... Yet a shadow comes between you for some reason. And you may get over it, but you realize, you know what, it's not perfect. Now, the reason your friendship is not perfect is because you're not perfect. All right? Don't blame the other person all the time. The reason is because you're not perfect. Right? Uh, uh, one of the poets said this. He said, my friend is not perfect, and nor am I, and so we suit each other admirably. But the reality is that uh, human friendship ultimately does not satisfy us completely. Not saying it's bad, it's a good thing, but it doesn't satisfy us completely. And the reason is that because you were made to be God's friend. You were made to be God's friend. God did not make you just for you to live your life grimly and pass out of this world. He made you for himself. He made you with a heart and a passion that you would be his friend. God is looking for you to be his friend today. Uh, and as much as some friend has brought you this morning uh, to church, the reality is that God, through that friend, is looking to bring you into a friendship uh, with him. He's looking to be your friend. Now, <clears throat> what does it take to be God's friend? What do we have to do to actually be God's friend? Well, <clears throat> it's quite simple. The first thing that we need is we need to be righteous. Now, I say it's simple, uh, but even though it's simple, uh, that's not easy for us. Uh, Revelation 21 verse 27 says and there shall in no wise enter into it that's heaven anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life God wants you to be his friend but righteousness is a key issue, issue for him and the, the truth is that if we're honest with ourselves all of us uh, have sinned uh, we have a problem when it comes to righteousness we're not righteous Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Um, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And it goes on to tell us that death ends up in hell. But, but, but here's the truth. The truth is, we want a friendship with God. God wants a friendship with us, but there's a barrier in the way. And there's something that, you know, <laughs> God can't overlook. It's, it, it's a barrier that stands between us and him. Something that bothers him. I, how many of you like mice? I, well, we have a mouse in our house at the moment, all right? Uh, and it's, it's one of those cheeky mice uh, that looks at you through the window and um, then, then scurries away. Now, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the mouse happens to be in my wife's office, right? Now, the mouse is very tiny, and she's much bigger than the mouse, but you know what? Uh, there's no way she's going into the office when she thinks the mouse is in the office. Absolutely no way. I mean, you'll hear her banging on the door and uh, making noise, and even Tika. Tika is sent in as, as, as the faithful hound dog uh, to actually get the mouse. But see, she just can't stand mice. Now, I understand that. Most of us understand that. We, we don't like the idea of these creepy crawly things that, 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 that can go after us. We, we don't like that at all. Uh, we react to it. We don't want to be around it. Now, I, I don't want to make it, make it irreverent, but you know what? God hates sin and doesn't want to be around it. 
He just hates it. He doesn't want to be around it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. God absolutely hates it. The difference between us and God, though, is this, that God doesn't have to be around it because he's God. And when you're God, you can just put anything away. You can just put it away from you completely. And so God could quite simply have said, listen, I want friendship. They need friendship. But you know what? They have sin. I want nothing to do with them and put us all away. But you know, he didn't do that. You know that God's desire for friendship, God's desire for reconciliation with the sinful mankind, uh, in spite of the fact that we're sinners, caused him to do something about it. Caused him to reach out to us in a particular way. So what are we going to do? You see, being a good person for us, even if it would work, and I'm sure you've tried to be a good person. And, And let me say this to you. You know, You may, in your own eyes and in your neighbor's eyes, be be a good person. In your family's eyes, be a good person. And that's great, because that makes you nice to live around. But when it comes to God's standard, God's standard is this. Be perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And, you know, we have to be honest there. We miss that one. But So you may may say today, okay, from from this day on, I am going to be perfect. I am going to do right. I am going to get rid of sin. You know what you can't? Every, every Christmas time, it's coming upon us rapidly. In the new year, we make New Year's resolutions. And you know, week one, week two, week three, the New Year's resolutions are falling in the dust, aren't they? Because, you know what? We're not as strong as we'd like to be, and we can't actually make the things happen that we'd like uh, to make happen. And, <clears throat> you see, being a good person, we're not able to be good. But, you know, even if you could, it still wouldn't work. Let me show you what the Bible says. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, if we were to do good things to earn our way to heaven, which many of us have been taught, the problem with it is the Bible says that that would be works, and we would boast. We We could stand before God and we could say, listen, we deserve a place in heaven. But you know what that verse tells? It tells us that it's by grace. That's God's enabling power. That it's by faith, and that it's a gift. It's not something you can earn. There's, there's no way you could earn. Another verse, Titus 3 verse 5 says this, says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. And you know the one thing that you, 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 you have to have in your life uh, to get mercy is you have to have a need for mercy. You have to have a need for mercy. You can't have mercy. You can't earn mercy. You have to have a need for it. And here's the reality, that even if we were to, to decide that from now on we were going to be good, the truth is that, that that wouldn't be enough. We can't. But even if we could, it's not like that. It's a gift. It's something God gives freely. It's of mercy and not of something that we earn. Now, <clears throat> righteousness is God's gift to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Righteousness is God's gift to us to draw us into a friendship with him. Romans 10 verse 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Do you know how you get righteous in this world? It's not by doing good and changing and, and becoming a better person and reforming your character and stopping doing the things that are wrong in your life. No, uh, it's by believing on Jesus Christ. 
It's by believing on what he did. You see, basically you've got two choices when it comes to righteousness. Either you can set about your own righteousness, about earning righteousness, about being a good person. You can set about doing it <coughs> for yourself and becoming righteous yourself. And you're going to fail every time. And it, and it won't satisfy God. Or you can reckon it to have been accomplished by Jesus Christ. That he actually earned righteousness for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16, possibly the most famous verse in the Bible. Now, what does it mean to you and I? It means that God loved us so much. Let's put it in terms that we're looking at this morning. God wanted our friendship so much that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago for your sin, for my sin? For, for, for Yes, for the sins of the world, but it was a very personal thing. You know, it wasn't until I saw it as being a personal issue that I came to the point of being saved. You know, I, I, I'd been raised knowing that Jesus died for the sins of the world. I'd always known that. Somebody had explained to me that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and I really had a hard time with that because uh, I thought I was a good person. But... <clears throat> Finally, the Spirit of God broke it through to me and I realized Jesus Christ died for the sins of David O'Gorman. It was that bad. He, he, he had to pay the price for my sins. That he went to the cross to pay the price for my... And when I, was, when I understood that, I knew, listen, I needed him. And I received him that night. But Jesus died for your sins. God loves you so much that even though you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. <clears throat> Romans 10.13 says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then the next verse says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And here's what needs to happen for someone to come to the place where they get saved. They need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon his name. And the picture would be like this. Imagine, uh, you know, you, you were drowning. Right? And you, 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 you're there in your water, you've gone down once, you've gone down twice and come back up again, and, and, and you're going down for the third time, but somebody throws you a lifeline. Right? Now, all you've got to do is grab the lifeline. You, you, you don't ask where the lifeline was made. Right? You don't you know, decide, ask what color is it. You don't check it to see it's strong enough. You grab it because you're going down. And you're saved because you grab it. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And it's not about you cleaning your act up and getting to be a good person and beginning to do right and going to church and doing all those things. It's about you coming to the place where you grab the lifeline. Because that's what Jesus is. He's the lifeline. It's not a church. It's not a works that we do. It's believing upon what Jesus did. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung on a cross paying the price for David O'Gorman and everybody else in the world, you included. And when we trust, depend upon what he did, God says he saves us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I realize that sounds very simple to you, and, and it is very simple on our part. But if we will call upon his name, trusting him, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says we'll be saved. The Bible says that we'll be saved, that we know we're going to heaven. And, you know, we've, we've sung songs about friendship and we've sung songs about peace. You know, listen, there is no greater peace than to know that when I close my eyes in this world, I will wake up with Jesus. That's, that's the greatest peace that you can know.
Everything else in life is insignificant by comparison. I know you have troubles and worries that are immediate, bills to pay and uh, health issues maybe to deal with. You've got all kinds of things in your life that are, that are, that are troublesome and bothersome and are right now. <clears throat> but you know what? There's nothing more important than having the peace of knowing, when I close my eyes, I'm going to be with him. That is the greatest blessing uh, this life has to offer. And the, the terrible thing is so many people miss it and live this life and walk away without ever having come to the place where they receive what Jesus has for them. That's how Abraham became righteous, just by believing. Romans 4 verse 3 says, For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. <clears throat> and the verse that we read at the beginning said this, uh, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He believed God, he was made righteous, and he became God's friend. And you could too today. You could too. If he's not your savior, you could make him your savior today. And you could believe God and become God's friend. <clears throat> now, let me show you some of the things that happened though. <clears throat> When you uh, <clears throat> believe God as your, Jesus Christ as your Savior, the benefits of being God's friend. First of all, you have a home in heaven. John 14, verse 1 to 3 says, uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now let me give you some background here. <laughs> John chapter 14 is uh, the, the, the Last Supper. The Lord is dealing with the, <clears throat> with the disciples. He's preparing them for his death. He has walked with them for three years. He has been a comfort to them and a blessing to them. He has uh, fought every enemy for them. He has answered all the questions that were thrown at them. You know, and they, they, he'd camped storms. He'd fed them. He'd, he'd done marvelous miracles in their presence. They'd gotten quite used to it. They'd gotten quite comfortable. But you know what? He knew. They hadn't reckoned on it yet. But he knew that in the next few hours, he was going to die. And he was going to be gone from them. <clears throat> and he's comforting them here. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and take you with me to dwell with me. Now, don't you want that? Don't you want when this life is over to spend eternity with him? Isn't that natural to us? I know you don't like thinking about dying. I know you don't like thinking about <clears throat> the, the, the reality of this life being over. But it will be someday. And don't you want in that day to know that you're going to be with him? He says you can. He says that you can. You know, <clears throat> he says that you can know for sure that you're going to spend eternity with him. He's going to prepare a place for you and he will take you to be with him. The issue though is, are you willing to trust him, to depend upon him? Are you willing to come to him uh, as your savior? Let me give you another benefit though. <clears throat> a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, he wants your friendship. And a friendship is a personal relationship. You know, <clears throat> you can know all about a film star. But you honestly couldn't say that you were their friend. Or they were your friend. Because you know, you don't know them. <clears throat> if you're going to have a friendship with somebody, it's a reciprocal two-way relationship. You talk to them and they talk to you. That's the way a friendship is. John 15 verse 15 says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You know what? God wants your friendship and he wants it to be a real friendship. 
He wants you to be able to talk to him and hear from him and he wants to hear from you. He wants to spend time with you. And he wants you to spend time with him. And as much as we love friendship, we know it can't ultimately satisfy. But there is a friendship that can satisfy. There's a friendship that can meet the deepest needs of your soul. There's a friendship with him. And it's not just you getting religion. So you go to church and you do the things religion tells you to do. It's not that. It's a personal relationship. Church can be a help to you in it, but church is a help to you in the personal relationship. Church is not your personal relationship. You know, you don't relate to God through a priest or a pastor. It's a personal thing. There's a personal relationship between you and God. That's what God wants. That's what God desires. You come here this morning brought by a friend to be introduced to a better friend. One that can bless your life and one that can be there for you always. And you know, even the best of friends fail us sometimes. And he never will. Listen, this is a friend worth knowing. Second thing is a personal relationship with him. The third thing is this, the comfort of the Holy Spirit to indwell you. Uh, John 14, <clears throat> same passage. Uh, he's at the Last Supper. He says to the disciples, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, it's another comforter of the same kind. Jesus has been walking with them, doing everything with them, helping them, uh, looking after them, meeting their needs, and he says, I will give you somebody else, just like me, to comfort you. Let me ask you, have you needed comfort in the past week? Have you needed comfort in the past month? Don't we need comfort? Yeah, there's a comforter available. And a comforter is somebody who comes alongside us and helps us in our trouble. Now this, this, this world is, is a world of trouble. There's all kinds of problems and difficulties, all kinds of issues and things for us to deal with. It's a, it's a, it's a world of trouble. But you know what? There's a comforter. And when somebody gets saved, the comforter comes alongside. He, he indwells, the Bible says, to help them, to encourage, to help somebody to walk with God. And it's real. It's not just doctrine that's far removed from us. It's, it's real. God wants us to know the comforter. So, so, so three things. You get a home in heaven. You get a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the comforter comes in to dwell with you. And, and let me say this to you. You may be here this morning and you're saved. And you know you have a home in heaven. But you don't really feel you have a friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not very aware of the comforter in your life. You know, listen, church is a great place to get encouraged to go deeper in that relationship so that you can actually know the friendship of Jesus Christ, so that you can know the Comforter. See, God doesn't make it hard, but sometimes <clears throat> what we do with this friendship is we kind of put it on the long finger, don't we? We kind of leave it far off. We don't relate to Him, we don't speak to Him, and then all of a sudden He feels very far away. Well, guess what? If you have a human friend and you don't call them for a year, you don't have any contact with them for a year, you know what? There's going to be a distance between you two. And, and the truth is, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, he wants your friendship. But you've got to be a part of what he's doing. You've got to be involved. And church is a great place to get encouraged, to get helped, uh, pressed in that direction, right? <clears throat> 
Conclusion, that all, we all need a friend, <clears throat> but all human friends are at best human, and like us, they fail. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's what the Bible calls Jesus. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And the reality is, it's up to us to receive him as our Savior. It's not a case of, he says, well, you know what, you earn it. If he were to say you earn it, not one of us could ever earn it. You know, if he were to say, well, listen, when you get to, the, to a certain point on, uh, on the good scale, then I'll save you. You know what? We'd never get there. You know, <clears throat> what he says is, will you receive my gift? Christmas time is coming up. Right? <clears throat> we'll give and we'll receive gifts. And underneath your tree, there'll probably be gifts for you. But you know, <clears throat> you have to actually receive the gift for it to become yours. Yeah. If you don't actually take the gift in your hand and open it, it never really becomes your gift. You can't pay for the gift, because then it's not a gift. You've got to receive it and open it, and it becomes yours. And that's what we'd like to see you do this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we'd like you to receive the gift. The greatest gift of all. Just come to the place where you actually receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, you're a sinner. We all are. None of us have done it all right. If we look at our lives and examine the things that we've done, we've missed it in many places. We know God wanted us to do certain things and we didn't do them. And we know certain things God didn't want us to do and we did them anyway. And we know it. And we did it by choice. And we've sinned and we've put a distance between us and Him. And he says, but I'm going to draw you into a friendship. I love you. I've sent my son to pay the price for your sin. Will you receive him as your savior? And everybody, ultimately, has to come to a place where they say yes or no to that. Yes, I will receive him, or no, I won't receive him. See, <clears throat> Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Which means, if you would, believing on Jesus Christ, call upon his name to save you, today he would do it. You had three people testify of a point when they called upon Jesus to save them, and he did. There are many more people that could testify exactly the same way. That they called upon Jesus to save them, and he did. And it was real. And he changed their lives. And he turned things around. It's real, because he's real. And today he says to you, would you call upon my name? Would you call upon my name and trust me as your Savior? And if you would say yes and call upon his name this morning, he would save you too. And you know what you would find in your life? You would find that it's different. Willie's life was vastly different because he got saved. So was Lisa's. Young as she was. And so was Samara's. Life's vastly different because they trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But you know what? Not half the difference is shown yet. Because one day, as vibrant and full of life as each one of them is today, one day, each one of them will pass from this life. And then that real life, that eternal life, becomes reality. And that can be yours too. Let's stand quietly. <clears throat> What I'm going to
going to do is I'm, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to ask you that, are, you that do not know Christ as your Savior. I'm going, to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, right? Father, would you bless us now? Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, we have needs and we have burdens. And oh, Lord, so often the needs and the burdens we have, Lord, cloud between us and you. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, we come to you today seeking your hand, your power, and your blessing upon us. Lord, would you reach down and touch this room? Would you touch hearts and lives and draw us to you? And Lord, for each one that doesn't know you, Lord, may your spirit, even right now, be showing them their need. And oh, Lord, may it be that you bless with salvation today. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let me ask you this morning, you're here and you're not saved. Let me ask you just to pray this prayer. You want to be saved, to pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, I realize that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died to pay the price for my sin. And as best I know how, I'm putting my trust in you to save me from my sin, to save me from hell and give me a home in heaven. In Jesus' name. If you would just pray that or words, your own words similar to that, asking him to save you, let me tell you, he would do it. He did it for me and life's never been the same. And he would do it for you. Would you call out to him? And if you're here this morning and you're a believer and you know you are, but you're walking afar off, you're not walking close to him. He wants your friendship. You need his friendship. Just where you stand there right now, would you call out to him and say, Lord, help me. I want to walk closer to you. I want to know that friendship. Just where you stand right there. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for meeting the need of your people's hearts. We thank you, Lord, for being the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of uh, an eternity with you, Lord, of that friendship and of your Holy Spirit. And, oh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that each one here uh, would know that blessing uh, as a reality of their own. And, Lord, that we would each one day see your face in glory and see each other there too. Now, Lord, we'll thank and praise you and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.